Hi, this is a production of Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, where our mission is to bring Christ's hope, healing, and wholeness to our community and to our world. Our service times are 9 and 11 each Sunday morning. Find out more at www.communitycovenant.net. Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 6. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Hey, it is good to see all of you this morning. Uh, when it comes to this time of the year, kind of mid-September, uh, people are making their way back to church. They've been on vacation. Uh, they've been to retreats. Uh, they've been out hunting. Uh, all kinds of activities. I feel like it's one great big family reunion. You know, we're all together until about mid-May, and then we kind of just go all kinds of different places here in Alaska. And then we kind of make it back together here uh, in September and in the fall. So I want to welcome you back, those of you who have been away this summer. We have had a good summer. Uh, We're going to continue in a new series that we started last week, uh, The Ultimate Connection, Life Together with Christ in the Center. Uh, It was the summer between my sophomore and junior year in college And I'd received a phone call from uh, my best friend in high school. He had gone off to uh, USC where he was going to school. And then during the summertime, he went up north to the Bay Area. His brother was a general manager in a large car dealership. And he went up north to work with his brother. Well, I received this phone call from him. His name's Dave, uh, my good, good friend all through high school. And he said, hey, I have a, a favor to ask of you. Uh, could you go to my oldest brother's ex-wife's place of business and uh, pick up her car and drive it up north uh, to my brother's dealership? Apparently, they had an arrangement that every couple of years she'd get a brand new um, leased car, but this car now it was time to turn it back in, and he later on was going to drive the new car back down to her. And I said, sure, I'd be willing to do that. He goes, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll pay for your flight home and, and if you just would do that. So I thought this would be a great opportunity to hang out with my friend, uh, drive the car up to the Bay Area, enjoy a little bit of time with him. So he said, there's just one thing you need to know about uh, um, her family, the ex-sister-in-law's uh, ex, uh, uh, family. Um, and he began to describe each of the family members, the, the, the three brothers, and uh, talked about the business. And it was almost like, hey, when you get there, watch out. I don't know how they're going to treat you because they are kind of ex-family and you are coming to get the car, but she's going to get a new one. And so suddenly I realized, even at that young age, I was stepping into the middle of something that he needed to warn me about. So... Uh, I got a ride that day to downtown Los Angeles, 
And there's this little ma and pop market in what used to be the Italian borough of L.A. called Lanza Brothers Market. And that is where uh, this woman worked. And I went into the market and I looked and I scoped things out. And there she was behind the cash register. And I saw each of the three brothers, the Lanza Brothers. And uh, I saw each of the three brothers, and I was kind of on guard. But you know what? They couldn't have been nicer. Uh, they welcomed me. They had a deli. They said, hey, can we make you a sandwich, a couple sandwiches? Hey, if you want some sodas or some chips, you can take that with you. It's going you know, to be a long drive. And so they loaded me up. I took the car, and I drove north. And I said to my friend, Dave, it wasn't anything like you said. They weren't anything like you said they were going to be. They couldn't have been nicer to me. Uh, you know, your brother's ex-wife, her three brothers. What a great little Italian market. Man, it was pretty cool. I'm, I'm glad I had the opportunity. And uh, that was that. Well, a couple of years later, I had met this gal in college. And her name was Lori. And uh, I went to pick her up at her house on, on a date. It was one of our very first dates. It was Labor Day weekend. And all the family was in the backyard having a barbecue. And she says, hey, I want to introduce you to my family. So I walked into the backyard. And there before me was the, the ex-wife and the three brothers. The oldest was her father, John Lanza. She at that time was Lori Lanza, and it was the family that owned the market that a couple years earlier I had gone to, 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 to pick up the car from. And I was like, oh my goodness, we meet again. And uh, little did I know that that family that I had met that day for the very first time, picking up that car to drive it to the Bay Area, that that was going to be my family someday. Uh, but you know what? It's really interesting. When I picked up the car, uh, they were all very nice to me. But now that I was interested in Lori, things kind of changed. <laughs> and she was the youngest daughter in an Italian family. Okay? And her dad, Mr. Lanza, thank you, her dad, Mr. Lanza, he made it really hard on all the male suitors that came around. You see, he had married off his three older daughters, and now there was the one, the baby left, Lori, and uh, he wasn't going to make it easy, uh, and he didn't. In fact, during the time that we dated, I'd come over to the house, I'd sit there, there'd be conversation, it would skip me and go on to whoever was next, and it just seemed like I was an outsider. And uh, he barely had two words. When I'd ask him a question, they were just like one-word answers. It was rough, I have to tell you. And at that time, when I was dating her, I was a sheriff's deputy. I carried a gun. And yet, even though I worked and arrested hard, worked with and arrested hardened criminals, when I went to her house, I was scared to death. Okay? He was very intimidating. Uh, it was kind of like the godfather, you know? Um, it was scary. And uh, even once 
I asked for her hand and we were engaged and I'll never forget the wedding and then the reception. It was at this Italian hall at St. Peter's in Los Angeles. And it was just a wonderful, food-filled, fun-filled, music-filled reception. It was great. And uh, when Lori and I were leaving the reception to go off on our honeymoon, Lori's mom and dad walked us out to the car. And I reached out my hand to shake his hand. I said, thank you very, very much, Mr. Lanza, for a wonderful wedding reception. And he was always Mr. Lanza, okay? And he took my hand and he pulled me in close. And he kissed me on the left cheek. And he kissed me on the right cheek. And he said, Dad. And from that point on, I was his son. I was a part of that crazy family that I'd met all those years earlier at that old market in downtown Los Angeles. And all those crazy Italian, excuse me if you're Italian, all those crazy Italian relatives, the dinners, all the parties, the birthdays, all the events, suddenly, having been the person on the outside, I was invited into the inside. And although at one point it seemed like I had nothing in common with them, now they're my family. And I have everything in common with them. And their story and my story have merged into one story. And it's wonderful uh, to be a part of that family. Uh, very, very special. But it happened in a way that I could not have even imagined, okay? And you know, it's a lot the same way when we come to faith in Jesus Christ. It's as if we're on the outside looking in, and then suddenly, because of our union with Christ, uh, we are welcomed into a family. It's the family of God. Uh, and when I think about that, I think about uh, the ultimate connection. Imagine this, being outsiders, separated from God because of our sin, Yet, because of Christ's death on the cross, right, the forgiveness of sin that's ours as we, as we come by grace through faith and we receive this great redemption, this great salvation, we suddenly, as outsiders, are united with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, co-eternal, co-equal, co-powerful. And, and we become one. We become a part of that family. Uh, and you know what? As I look around, as you look around, this is your family. And you know, there, there, there are a lot of different people in this family, aren't there? Uh, with a lot of uh, idiosyncrasies. And there are some family members that kind of get on your nerves and other family members you feel closer to. But the bottom line is, they're your family. And that's the portrait, that's the picture we get in Scripture as being part of the family of God. The truth is, when we come to faith in Christ, we're all in the family, aren't we? We're all in the family. And uh, we ask the question, what does it mean for you uh, to be part of God's family? And here are some of the answers that you gave, okay? Being included in something bigger than just me. Having a place. 
Somebody else writes, it means unconditional love, connection, comfort, peace, and joy. Peeps love and accept me even if I'm not very lovable. Salvation and eternal community connected. Being in a loving community. By grace, I'm placed in God's family, sharing in with others in the life and ministry of Jesus. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Living in relationship with others, knowing that we're loved, created and rescued by the one who designed us intentionally. Somebody else writes, connections to brothers and sisters and the inheritance of everything we need in Christ. God's family is good to me because of the guidance and accountability. I have a place I can come home no matter where I am in life. That's good. Accepting and knowing we're not perfect, yet we're loved anyway. And then finally, supporting others and being supported by those Uh, Same people during good times and during hard times. That's so true. Last week we began our series by taking a look at Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. And you might remember in the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians, Paul is laying the theological framework for what it means to be uh, in the family of God, uh, what it means uh, to be in relationship with God, Uh, God's unique purpose for our life, uh, God's love expressed to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Of course, in Ephesians 2.8 says that we're saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves, that no one can boast, and that um, God has purpose and great intentionality for our lives that's fully realized when we come to faith in Christ. And he starts out in verse 1 by identifying himself as a prisoner, Uh, a prisoner, not just any prisoner, but as a prisoner for the Lord. In fact, what he's saying is, you know what? As a result of all these truths and, and his calling me into relationship with Christ, the price I'm paying for living into that reality is that I am a prisoner. He's under house arrest, right? This is one of his prison epistles. But he says, I'm really not a cap- I'm not really uh, in captivity to the Roman government. I'm really a prisoner of Christ. Voluntarily, I've surrendered my life to him. And I'm here as a result of that. And really, that's a badge of honor. And then he goes on to say, as he identifies himself as a prisoner, I urge you then to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. And that whole idea is... In light of everything I've told you up till now, live a a life worthy of God's calling you into his family through faith in Jesus Christ as a result of the grace of God in your life. This is an important thing. This is a great thing. Look at what God has done for you and for me. Live a life worthy of that calling. Live a life worthy. And then he goes on to describe, well, what, what, what does it mean to do that? He says in verse 2, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. In other words, God says you have been called into something greater than yourself. 
And there is a unity, a unity that has existed. An eternal unity of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And you have been invited by virtue of your union in Christ in, into that unity. It isn't something you create. You, you, you can't generate it on your own. It is something that is given to you. And you're called to preserve it. And if you're going to preserve it, you have to be humble. And in your humility will lead you to be gentle with one another. To be patient. And as you're patient, you will bear with one another in love. And that bearing in love, you might remember, literally means in the language that you're going to put up with each other. Even when you don't necessarily uh, like each other, you always love each other. And that's first and foremost. And, and you're called to be patient with one another. And that, that patience, that bearing with one another, preserves the unity into the family to which you've been called, into the body of Christ. Make every effort. Be diligent to preserve, to keep that unity through the Spirit, through the bond of peace. And then we get to our two verses, to three verses today, four through six. He says, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. There's one body. That's the church as a single, visible community, the body of Christ. There's one spirit that is indwelling through which... Christ's body lives and moves. The Holy Spirit that comes and indwells every person who by faith, right, has entered into that, that family. And that Spirit is a mark, it's a seal, it's a guarantee that God has placed on you that you belong in the family. You belong to Him. And not only are you heirs, to God, but your co-heirs with Christ. And all the things that he's promised, all the promises of Scripture, he says, I am guaranteeing you, and I am placing my seal upon you, and my promise that I will deliver on all, on everything that I've told you in my word. And then there's one hope, and that one hope is the future coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We may place our hope in a lot of things, but I'll tell you something. The one hope that we're called to is that one hope of the future coming of Jesus Christ. We like to say here, Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ is coming again. And all of us in God's family look forward to what? The second advent, the second coming of Christ. And the fulfillment, the complete and total restoration of everything that was impacted by the fall and sin, in which everything once and for all will be made right as it should be, as God intended it to be. And that is our future hope. There's one Lord. And that one Lord, and that one Lord is the life found in the person and work of Jesus Christ. There's one faith, the core essential truths of the gospel. There's one baptism. 
And that's our baptism into Christ, our identification with Christ and His death, resurrection, our being sealed with the Holy Spirit, and by virtue of that being incorporated into Christ's body, into God's family. And then there's one God. The Father of all believers. One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one big, happy family. Now, when I entered into Lori's family, I began to understand the narrative of that family, the story of that family. And as I looked around at the family members, they were all different, and yet they had some things in common. There was a oneness there that unified them. And I was invited into that family, and I was invited into that oneness. And so the same is true here. That we, as followers of Jesus Christ, become members of the family of God, and we share in this oneness. And that's the things that we have in common. Those are the things that unify us and make us one. And you'll notice in these first six verses, but in particularly in the last uh, three, four through six, that they're shaped by what? The Trinity. The Christian faith has uh, its identity in the identity of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And as we look at the things we have in common, those things that we have in common are made possible uh, through the Godhead. The first thing is, that God's family is shaped by God's salvation. God's family is shaped by God's salvation. Look at John 1, 10 through 13. He was in the world and through the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor human decision, nor a husband's will, but born of God. John 1, 10 through 13. We see the deliberate faith joined with divine transformation. That we become children of God and that our narrative is shaped by the great story of the scripture that begins with creation, then the fall, then redemption, then restoration. And in that grand narrative, we see God's plan for salvation to rescue those who are held captive by the domain of darkness and the dominion of sin. And our family is shaped by that story. That's our story. And we've been invited into that by virtue of faith in Jesus Christ, God's grace in our life. 1 John 2, 28-29, John writes, And now, dear children, continue in Him, so that when He appears, right, that's our hope, our hope, our one hope is what? In His coming, when He appears, we may be confident and unashamed before Him at His coming. If you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of Him. That's the similar theme to what Paul is saying here in Ephesians. Live a life worthy of your calling. So that when your hope is realized and He comes, you will know that you have lived and done what is right. 
Because you've been born of Him. You're in His family. You're one of His children. I love what Paul writes to the Philippians in Philippians 2, 12 through 13. He says this, he says, and this again is the same central theme we see here as Paul's writing to the Ephesians. He writes this also to the Philippians. He says, basically, in light of this great salvation, you live into that fully. You, you work that out through the power of the Spirit that you might fully manifest all that God intends for you as being a part of His family. He says this to the Philippians, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What that means is with a holy reverence for God and an understanding of all that He's done for you, that you're going to live in such a way that even the thought of living a sinful life makes you tremble because you have such a holy loving God and you don't want to disappoint Him. That's what He's saying. But the truth is you can't live and and work that out on your own and Paul makes that clear because he continues by saying continue to work out your salvation in fear and trembling for it is God who works in you through the power of His Holy Spirit to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. God gives us the desire to live righteously and He gives us the power to do so through the Holy Spirit. Diedrich Bonhoeffer, remember I referred to him last week? He wrote that book called um, Life Together. Reflections on, on Christian community. This is what he says. He says, Christianity means community through Christ Jesus and in Christ Jesus. Now catch this. We belong to one another only through and in Jesus Christ. What does this mean? It means first that Christ needs, that Christians need others because of Jesus Christ. It means second, that Christians come to others only through Jesus Christ. It means third, that In Christ, we have been chosen from eternity, accepted in time, and united for all eternity. Look around you. This is your family. And we are going to spend eternity together. That's a good incentive to try to work at getting along now, isn't it? Amen. And so first we see that God's family is shaped by God's salvation. And that our unity is by virtue of being in union with Christ. But secondly, we see that God's family resembles Christ. Family members resemble Christ. Uh, A year or so ago, my cousin sent me a picture of my grandfather who I never met. He was a U.S. Army artillery officer in World War I in France. Grandpa Jones, he died like five years before I was born. He's my mother's father. And the reason my cousin sent me that picture was really evident when we opened it up and we looked at it. Because there was a picture of him in about his mid-twenties. Oh my goodness, it was like I was looking in the mirror. I look like, I resemble, I'm almost a spitting image of what my grandfather, who I never met, looked like in his 20s. It was amazing. And you know the same is true with you and I because of our union with Christ. 
because we have been indwelt with the Holy Spirit, that we begin to take on the very character and nature of our Savior Jesus, that those who are in God's family resemble Christ. Galatians 3, 26 through 27 says, So in Jesus Christ you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Imagine like you're putting on Christ. You're covered. You're clothed with Christ. You resemble Him so much that people see Christ in you. Colossians 3, 12 through 14. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves. Okay? You're going to clothe yourselves with Christ here. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Very similar to what we read in Ephesians. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has grievance against someone. Forgive how? As the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them together in perfect unity. I love what author Mark Buchanan says here. No relationship to the Buchanan family, by the way. Mark Buchanan says this. What should the church be in relation to her Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? God has set things up in such a way that if anyone asks, what is Jesus like? Who is Jesus? Is he loving? Is he good? Is he just? Is he generous? Does he comfort the oppressed? Will he confront the oppressor? All they will have to do is look at the church. You and me. To get the answer. Because God's family resembles Christ. And then finally, God's family manifests the Spirit's unity. We read this earlier. Let's, let's look at it again. John 17, 22 through 23. I have given them the glory that you gave me. That's life in the Spirit that reflects God's glory and His love. I've given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Now what happens when that happens? Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And then again, 1 John 4.13, This is how we know that we live in Him and He in us. He has given us His Spirit. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, again, reflecting on that unity, writes these words. Now Christians can live with one another in peace. They can love and serve one another. They can become one. Only in Jesus Christ are we one. Only through Him are we bound together. Where He is There we are too. In the incarnation, on the cross, and in his resurrection, we belong to him because we are in him. That is why the scriptures call us the body of Christ.
And that is why you and I are all in the family. As the worship team comes forward, let's pray together. Father, we thank you this morning for the reminder that we belong. We belong to you and we belong to each other because of what you have done for us through your son, Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for filling us with your spirit. Thank you that you have given us a unity, not that we can create it, but Lord, it is a gift and you've called us to preserve it. And as we live together unified, Lord, our family is on display. We reflect literally as we resemble Christ what it means to live with and to live for the one who gave his life. Father, may our lives, may this fellowship, may this unity of Christ's believers bring you honor and glory. May the world look at us and want to know Jesus because they see Christ in us. Thank you, Lord, that we are your children, that all of us are in your family by virtue of what you have done for us. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.